Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Back to throw versus Danny. Pete is tight end. And Raja Bell. Bell has done three three. 22 to Raja. It's all the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. All right, what's going on? Welcome to Cannell and Bell hanging out on a Friday. A lot of NBA to get to, but it's a special day. Yeah. We had to bring in our guy David Sampson to join us here uh, for Canell and Bell. What you he's got? He's a movie guy. Oh, big time movie guy. Like he's had his own shows. I provide our movies. listeners with like a lot of one line movie things. Do you know where that one was from? Rounders, John Malkovich. <laughs> there he is. Welcome to the show, oh, buddy. Oh, no, he's, he's. Yeah, I know. I know. No, that he's it. The only thing that would be better if you had actually had Oreos. Oreos. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that that would have been impressive because I'm a little hungry. <laughs> And you know what sucks is I have no idea what you guys are talking about. So I'm just sitting here laughing along like it's all good. Uh, before we get to uh, all the NBA action, before we get to our Albert Pruhol story, because uh, there's a story with his ball that he hit last night, 2000th hit, was it? RBI. RBI. Yeah. Um, he has over 3,000 hits already. Yes, that's what, I was, that's what I was trying to figure out. We the actually talked about it on the show together. Sense. We did? Maybe. <laughs> are you sure? Obviously, you left a lasting impression on Fantastic. that one. Uh, I need some advice from both of you guys. Uh, Mother's Day is on Sunday. This is a good reminder for some of our listeners who may have forgotten and make sure you don't. Correct. All right. So obviously, if your mom's still alive, mine is, you want to take care of them, send them a card, roses or whatever. Yep. What do you do for the mother of your children? So for my wife, like it's my kids. Op- it's it's their option to get them her a gift, right? Incorrect. You, wow. <laughs> that is incorrect. By the way, do you have an open couch because he's going to be on it? But wait incorrect. a second. It's, I mean, it's not my mom. At a certain age, it becomes their responsibility. But you're talking twelve and under. Oh yeah, eleven. Yeah, no, that's not there. They can write no. nice. They cards. T- you haven't passed the torch yet. Have you gone to get cards from your kids to your wife from your kids? No, but I have paper and pencils and crayons so they can make up their own card. Isn't that that the thought that counts? So I'm going to help them sit them down, make sure they do that. Now, as far as a gift, my daughter and I did go shopping, and we did pick out a golf outfit. There you go. Perfect, right? Yeah, I think that's, that's all I need. That and the kids the are from you. From all of us. It's probably what it's going to be. It's a nice golf and outfit. And breakfast in bed? Yeah, yeah probably. Yeah. That's a good idea. Got to do that. Yeah. With the kids delivering it. Yeah, we'll do that. Although right. it's got to be like if they if I if I open up that door, they'll be in there at like six a.m. and that'll ruin that will ruin it. Yes, you got to back it up. If we wake her up, let her sleep early. in, right? Like yeah. I'll, I'll probably yeah. get up with the baby. I'll take them out, like get them out for right. a little bit, let her sleep in, do whatever she likes, and, to and, do, and then and breakfast alleviate later. alleviate the workload on on Mother's Day, the general like uh, dishes type stuff and all of that kind of stuff. Don't right? You miss the days of being an active player where on Mother's Day you could <laughs> be away. Sorry, sorry, it's the schedule. I never got out of that one. NFL was never. In uh, end season at that time. All right, let's get to Albert Pujols because he did hit a solo home run, which was his 2000th RBI, as I definitely remembered us talking about the other day on the show. Um, a fan got the ball uh, and was the Angels trying to get it back. It's a, it's a memento. Sure. It's a keepsake. It has a lot of value to Albert Pujols and probably to the Angels too. To the fan also. To the, well, that's the point. The Return fan, on investment, man. The fan is saying, hold on a second. Well, what's in it for me? Mm-hmm. You have had some experience dealing with fans getting balls that have significance. I've had a lot of experience with fans and balls. No question about it. Happy Mother's Day, everybody. (laughs) So what happened for you? So Dolphin Stadium 2008, Ken Griffey is on 599 home runs. This is a big deal for someone to get his 600th home run. Like what type of era are we in now? Like how many players? Uh, I don't, I you, I say five. Wow. Yeah. All right. That's so, off the top of my head. I mean, this is not a lot of players. Yes. Ken Griffey, we can probably go on the Google. 
yeah. and find out the exact number. So the ball goes in. It is caught by a guy, and I immediately am in the suite watching. The home run is hit. I immediately go to the head of operations. Let's go start negotiating with yeah. the guy. Yeah, yeah. It turns out the story got crazy. There was a lawsuit between two people who claimed they both had the 600th home run ball. Really? I knew exactly who had it because we have video of everybody in the park always. And the reason you have video of the entire park is not about 600 home run balls. It's about people who get hit by foul balls and then claim they got hurt. And all we would do is go to the video. And if they're on their phone when a foul ball comes, yeah. guess what? We don't offer them a penny. Correct, correct. If you're going like this and you get hit in the nose, you'll get like a grand. Right, right, right. But if you're looking down at your phone. <laughs> yeah, and you get spiked. Zero. Yeah, right, yeah. right, that's your own <laughs> Right, you got to pay attention. It says that on the ticket. Right. Yeah. So picture this as the ball. Here's what the guy did. His name is Joe. He caught the 600 home run ball, and then he had a second ball that he threw at the same time. Oh, wow. He was prepped so for this. He was ready to go. the second person got the second ball, thinking that was the home run ball. He had it, immediately left the ballpark. Wow. Wow. This was calculated. Yes. This is a guy who famously catches foul balls. Oh, is this run the ball. dude? Is not this... the famous foul okay, ball guy. not that guy. This is a different guy. It's okay. a different crazy guy. His <laughs> name, whatever his name is. Joe. Call him Joe. Yeah. I negotiated with him because I wanted the ball back. He wanted to, he wanted the money. It was worth a lot of money. Sure. Griffey was insistent that he wanted that ball. The Reds really wanted it and I wanted to deliver it for sure, him. Sure, sure. So we had lawyers involved. I did three or four different press conferences trying to make sure that I could figure out how to give him enough to get him the ball. And eventually the lawyers actually took over because the two guys ended up suing each other. Because they each claimed they had the 600th ball, and my guy left the ballpark without getting it authenticated. Oh, wow. <laughs> Never authenticated. So basically, it was an entire four days of my life trying to do, you know, no good deed goes unpunished. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Four days of my life trying to get that ball back for Griffey. I offered everything from Stanton stuff. Um, it wasn't Stanton. He wasn't around back then. Cabrera and them. Equivalent yeah. to yeah. that, right? Just every anything. We would have anything. And he wanted the money. What did he want? Yeah, exactly. What's give us some numbers? He wanted. He he thought that he could do some college tuition with that. Really? You're talking about hundreds of k's? Yes. What? Really? How do you? So I'm still confused as why he threw the other ball when he caught it to try to throw off the scent. Okay. Do you, Do you have any idea the scrum that took place for this home run ball? So that's why he did you it. Get robbed for that get ball. People out. That's exactly right. Yeah. And he wanted to get out of the ballpark without being seen. robbed, touched. This really? A, imagine if you found a two hundred thousand dollar briefcase. Yeah, yeah. In the bleachers, you throw another briefcase up. <laughs> Get out! Exactly. Yeah, Let like, him fight over that right. one. Ultra is amazing. And uh, he was wearing a Sergio Mitre shirt. There's a guy you know. Sergio Mitre. You know him for sure. He's former former pitcher for the Marlins. And oh, of dude. course. Yes. Yeah, yeah, like I, I know I know that name. Great fastball, right? <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, so. Did, did the guy settle? Did he get a pretty good amount? Um, you don't have to give the number if you don't feel work comfortable. Out. Did Griffey get the ball back? It did not work out. Yeah, it was like, so it, uh, what's happened? Griffey never gets his ball? It was sold. Wow. Really? That's crazy. There's to only, like a private collector? Only a certain amount that I would be. But it's unverified, to. correct? Yeah. It is unverified. So, but it is the ball. But it's, 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 right. it's the ball. 
I mean, do you remember when wow. uh, I think it was during the Sosa McGuire deal? I don't think it was the Barry Bonds uh, when he was going after it. But do you remember they used to make a big deal about the balls being stamped? I think it was McGuire stamped. Yeah, and they had Barry them Bonds. like authentic and like numbered in yeah. every ball that was because they go through a ton of like how many balls they go through in a game? Fifty more? Way, way more than yeah, that. way more. So they had them, every they're, one they're was marked with numbers. Ichiro Suzuki's three thousandth hit that he had with the Marlins that he did in Colorado. Every single ball is marked with a number of authenticated and when it is then the hit mm-hmm. they know exactly which what ball, ball it is wow because they yeah, switch out sophisticated stuff now huh it's yeah money would you money money uh would you sell it back to griffey for like i don't know 25 percent less than you sold it to the private collector for absolutely not you'd, you'd go for the highest got a max this is your opportunity i hear you no uh, yeah i hear you you go to a game and he's got a guy different. obviously it's it's like if i'm just a fan at the game and i'm not a collector i might take a discount for the dude because it's Why? him but let's like, say if, i mean if, if it was 200 on the open market and you had to go to the lengths of actually holding the auction hiring a company to do it for you all that i would take 150 from the player wouldn't you as opposed to what 200 I'm sorry. 50 racks. That's 50 racks, bro. That's, you say he would racks. 150 instead of 200? Yeah, I do not want to go racks. into business with you. I'm too, port, port. too nice. I'm too nice in this business. Uh, all right. So let's get to uh, the, one of the great reasons we got you here, not only for that story, which is a good one, but also Kyler Murray, two-sport athlete. When he signed with the A's, his deal was $6 million. He got $3.6 million, but the A's apparently offered him 18.6 guaranteed to choose baseball. That was the offer that they gave him then. He had to give write a check back to the A's in order to get to the draft. Now he is actually going to be doing a lot better. He had to stroke a three point six million dollar check yes. right back to him. He had to give it back. I think the awesome. si- I think that was like after taxes. Yeah. I think that Signing was- bonus. Yeah. Okay. yeah. He had to refund him because yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's what it is. Yeah. And I Good. think he got a portion of it still. I think he got like the first year, like they prorated it over right. the length of his contract. So he still got some of it. So he wrote the check back, which obviously was no problem. I'm sure anybody would give him a loan for that too. So he got a brand new deal with the Arizona Cardinals for four years, $35 million, fully guaranteed with mm. a fifth-year option. Good for Kyler Murray. Yeah. There, it's funny to me because <laughs> I don't know if you guys remember this. But I Sorry. love it. He loves you know what Danny would money. do? <laughs> Danny would turn down the $35 <laughs> yeah, million yeah. for the $18 Yeah, million. let me get that. <laughs> I still play football. Just give me 18 because that's all they were giving me. Exactly. We're good. <laughs> You guys are being unfair now. You're painting an a incorrect picture of me right now. I thought I was trying to be a nice guy with the, uh, the ball in the stands. Um, so the, if you guys remember the conversation that was had by the majority of opinion makers in our business was, oh, anytime you hear a guy choosing between football and baseball, it's always like, oh, baseball, those bigger contracts, your better money, it's all guaranteed. You always got to choose baseball. And now you look at this and getting 35 fully million, uh, fully guaranteed at his age, really young. Not taking one snap yet in the NFL. He could be a total bust. He's going to yeah. all $35 million. And the baseball route, it would have taken him how long, my question to you, David Sampson, how long to get that $35 million? So let's assume he made $4 million as a signing bonus. Yep. And then you go to the minor leagues. Let's say it's only for two years where you're which making is a, ten grand a month. Which is pretty nothing. fast. Like that's, and that, that's if a he's best really case good. scenario. Now, first year, half a million, half a million, half a million. Then if he makes it through those three years of making a million and a half dollars total, then he goes into arbitration. If he's super good, let's say he gets five million in his first year, and that would be like a record. Five million and even double it, and he's so, so good, ten million. And then his last year, say he's incredible, go twenty million. That's thirty five plus the one and a half is thirty six and a half plus the four million he signed for, forty and a half million dollars guaranteed, except he has to be good for six years. 
That's why I And he has to be a big leaguer. Right. Yeah. That's why I think baseball is the hardest sport to make it. Yes, if you do make it, you're going to be extremely wealthy. You'll you could see a three hundred million dollar deal Unless like you're you. Right, right, exactly. But it but it's the hardest thing because not only do you have you're competing with a bigger base because you have, you know, other continents that are coming into play, but you also have to prove it at multiple levels. Yeah. You have to prove it at single A, double A. Now maybe you skip one if you're great. Then you go to triple A. Then you get to the bigs and you have to prove it all over again and sustain that success over a period of time before you actually get that big payday. Yes, if you want if you're willing to bet on yourself that much and you have that much belief in yourself, then great. It'll be a great decision. But this, again, he could be a complete bust. He could, you know, he's six feet. Maybe he gets hurt. Maybe he's injured. Maybe he's not that good. He's going to see $35 million. And then guess what he could do in four or five years? Go back and try baseball. What is the, yeah, correct. What's the average career in the NBA? Seven years. Five years, maybe. Is five years. High? Five years. What about three NFL? Half. Yeah. He's three. under three in baseball. Really? For the big, least, for a you, big leaguer? You do not make it to arbitration. The average player, even if you make it to the big leagues, you never make it to arbitration. Wow. Five might be high. I think it's five, but I could be wrong. It's definitely not seven. Yeah. It's definitely three for the NFL. Why do you think that is? Just because of the, how the strenuous, how hard, hard it is? Yeah. It's hard to play baseball. Yeah. And they that's why the contracts, what the union said is that they want every contract guaranteed. What, what are we making in the A's? Like the single A's, the double A's? Dirt. Like. Really? Nothing. You, you better be snow plowing driveways. Ooh. Yeah. No, I mean, you, you have to get another job. I, yeah. When I played my, uh, minor league baseball, it was independent baseball for the Newark Bears. Mm-hmm. It was the Atlantic League. Yeah. There was a bunch of ex-major leaguers playing in it. Uh, Pete and Cavillia was in there. Like my first, uh, my, my third game was a wild thing, uh, from the Phillies. Mitch Williams? Mitch Williams. I faced him. He pitched like eight shutout innings so against us. He was there. Vaughn, How old was he? He was probably close to 40 at the time. Like he was up there. He was the pitching coach slash third base coach slash wow. third starter in their those? rotation. It was, but oh, it was okay. a blast. Yeah. So I made 1200 bucks a month. Right. Uh, which was actually probably pretty good, but we had several players who lived in the clubhouse because they wanted to save money. Wow. And they were trying to make it, trying to make it in baseball. That happens all across minor league baseball. Mm -hmm. Like anytime people to me complain about college football and college basketball, I say, well, they're just minor leaguers. I'm like, no, they get better setup. Right, 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 right. Minor league. Minor league baseball is tough. You're taking bus trips. There's no planes, right? I mean, you're taking buses and you're the manager. That's why a lot of these coaches don't want to start down low. They want to start at the major leagues immediately, the former players, because they're used to the big league life. And then you go down to single A and you're taking a nine hour bus ride and a cramped bus where the players are sleeping in the aisle. Oh, and it's, it's, and these are not small guys. I would do when I went to the C, I was in the CBA and it was FIU wasn't the greatest setup in college. But I did take a step back when they threw me in Yakima, Washington, and I was living in a truck stop, like in the Best Western. But there were guys that would, you know, you, you get kicked out. If you're a fledgling NBA guy, you you lose that 10-day or they cut you. You got to come somewhere to, to stay sharp until you get a call up. Most dudes that came down to that CBA washed out. Like, it was just they couldn't deal with the adjustment from, you know, the charter flights to coming down and riding that bus and, and, and doing what you had to do to get by in the CBA. That's no... No fun. It is humbling. I did arena football too, which was similar. It was a, you know, they don't have minor league NFL. So it was similar. It was, I never forget going to like get my pads and they were like, do you have your old, do you have your own? (laughs) No. So I went over to the New York Giants to the equipment room I had played for a few years previous and was like, Hey, do you guys have any pads for me? Thankfully they did. Or I would have had to go out to like Dick's Sporting Goods and buy my own pads. Same thing. Shoes, everything. Like you had to provide equipment. I was used to just get. I shouldn't say it was no fun because I actually had a blast. I I was fresh out of college. From an executive standpoint, I I just want you guys to know that you guys are athletes. 
all I did was run a team, but my dream was to be an athlete. Yeah. I would have given up every moment as president of the Marlins for 16 years to take one bus ride. Yeah, I had a blast. Every I did. I had a blast. I had a blast. I don't want to. I don't want to say more fun, but man, did I enjoy the minor league baseball yeah, and arena ball experience. And I, the, the biggest difference was, you notice when guys are playing for a paycheck, and when it's a lot of money, that's what happens. Yeah. Those guys that are hungry that want to get there, they're playing just because they love the sport. Yeah. And so, like, you you notice that when you're going to practice every day. And, like, nobody's bitching about stuff. And yet, when you're going out to the practice at the NFL, guys are like, man, we're going to have to hit today. There's you know, <laughs> yeah, no, there's way more common ground in one of those minor league locker rooms than there is in the pro locker room. Because you have guys making $100 million, and you have a guy on a 10-day contract. When you're all in the CBA or yeah. single A, you, you know, you're all making $1,200 a month. You're all trying to get where you're trying to go. For right? the love of the game. Yeah. Yeah, the yeah. love of the game. Yeah, you know what absolutely. else I learned? Because I, I was into watches, and I had a really nice Rolex. Yep. Guess what happened when I was playing for the Newark Bears? I you came know, back to my locker room at the house one time. I'm like, where's my watch? <laughs> I still don't know to this day if it was a teammate or it was Newark, which was a little rough. If somebody had actually come in the clubhouse, yeah. I don't know. I didn't like looking at my teammates like, well, hey, could it have been that guy? So right. I, just, I just assumed it was somebody just else. go. But I think the thing was locked <laughs> everybody else. Wow. Go. All right. You got to go train for a 100-mile race or something, right? No, I just – you guys have to talk basketball. <laughs> a lot right. of cool game sevens. Right. I get to go watch basketball. You got to talk about it. All right. Enjoy. I like talking about basketball. What are you talking about? Yeah, exactly. I love it. We're good. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back to Ken Allen Bell, hanging on a Friday. Good stuff there with David Sampson, fun stories. Uh, to answer your question, how many players have 600 or more home runs? Because I know you're dying to know this. Yes, sir. Nine players in the history of baseball. Albert Pujols is one of those guys at 639 home Rare runs. Rare error then, huh? Yeah, it definitely is. Uh, you made me a little bit of money the other day. Yeah. Because you gave me Steph Curry over... Clay, it was Clay, it was Clay. It was Clay Thompson, Clay. over 20 and a half. Yeah. Uh, so I took that, loaded up on it pretty nice, hit it. So I was feeling really confident because I was asking you last night about yeah. our boy Joel Embiid, and you were like, take the over, do it, do it, do it. And, and that number even, came in lower than I thought. Yes, it was exactly. Like 20 and a half? Yeah, that was a 20 and a half. So you're like, take the over, and you were even saying like 23, 24, you're like, done deal. So I was feeling confident, and I went in to punch in a certain number. Yes. And it actually wouldn't let me because I have a max bet that I can do. Oh. So I was limited on what I could go Ooh. with Joel Embiid on the over his point total. So I did take it, yep. texted it to you guys. So yep. I was like, I'm all in. But what I did, and I felt good about this one too, mm -hmm. and I had talked to Debo about this one, I did take the Sixers, and there was no limit on that one to win the game outright. Took go. the money line on that one, so hit that one. So that's good news. Good. Helped uh, helped a little bit. And I have a question for you later when we talk about the Warriors. Okay. What you're going to want me to do with Steph and Clay in that game mm -hmm. or any other players because I think that could be interesting. But before we get to there, let's talk about the Sixers because they yeah. bounce back. They've been up and down this entire series. Two of their 
best players have been kind of bipolar. When you look at them, they've been either unbelievable or yeah. they've been atrocious. Thankfully for them, they got great performances out of Ben Simmons. Joel Embiid's plus minus was off the charts. And Jimmy Butler, to me, as good a game statistically as those games had, Jimmy Butler set the tone in the first half, which really sustained for the entire game. Yeah, Jimmy Butler, I, I think that Jimmy and Ben Simmons set the tone because Ben came out with a different energy, too. They were in straight attack mode. Now, Jimmy actually carried them um, and really closed that first half you know, on a note that allowed the Sixers and propelled them in the third quarter and stuff like that. But I thought Ben Simmons made a real effort to be more aggressive. And what I saw from the Sixers was, you know, I was talking to Debo about this before we came in. Joel Embiid kind of got out of the way offensively. You know what I mean? And we yes. talked about this the yeah, other day. Yeah, he was staying on the perimeter. Like, yeah. Trust me, I was watching him very yeah, closely. Well, right. So you know, like he wasn't even really involved in the offense. There were multiple times where he actually kind of half-assedly kind of asked for the ball, and dudes were like, nah, we got this. Yep. So... You know, I, I said on air, this is a weird situation. It's a delicate kind of balance on that team of styles that you're going to play because most of those guys are going to flourish in a more up-and-down, wide-open court type of scenario. And Joel Embiid, you know, is is one of those bigs that's so gifted with the ball in his hands that he can kind of clog up that paint because now Marc Gasol's in the paint with him. Um, I, I thought they made a real effort to keep the floor spread and play with pace yesterday, and it benefited everybody. Yeah, it absolutely did. Afterwards, uh, Jimmy Butler said the game is simple. I shoot the ball when I'm open. Sometimes I shoot it when I'm not open. He finished with 25. <laughs> right. shoot it. Ben Simmons right. said it was amazing focus. Everybody was locked in. We knew what was at stake. Joel Embiid said, I knew I had to come in with high spirits. <laughs> Good for you. Right. If I've got to play 45 minutes and push myself out there, that's what I'll do. I like that, though. I, like I the love spirit. that. The spirit word is yes. important there. And I, I I think players do hear the criticism more now. It's impossible to insulate yourself from the criticism. When Charles Barkley calls you out, and says he can't be out there moping around, right. acting like he's on his deathbed. He has to, or he's draining, he's sucking the energy out of his team. I think Joel Embiid took it to heart. From that comment there, when he's saying the spirit, I have to show up with a better spirit, that to me is telling me, I don't know, maybe he's not paying attention directly to Charles Barkley, but at least he's listening to some of the criticism and accepting it, saying, you know what, they're right, because he did come out there with a different attitude, and it is infectious. Like, Good attitudes can be infectious, as so can bad attitudes, and they can bring you down or lift the entire team up. Absolutely, I, I, I um, you know, good for Joel Embiid, good for the Sixers for for him coming out and 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 uh, being in a different headspace, if you will, emotion a, a different emotional place. Um, here, here's a question that I have for you, Danny, yep. because you know Joel Embiid. Everybody tells me, you know, he he is he's trust the process, right? Like, I mean, the process is a it's a whole thing, but he represents trust the process. He is the franchise yes. in, in Philly, right? Who's been the best player for the Sixers throughout this series? Jimmy Butler? Probably. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Can you say that Most about, consistent. He's been the best player. Most okay. consistent. He's carried them. He he carried them last night. Yep. It wasn't Joel Embiid. Right. Joel Embiid had a good spirit. He yep. Had, he had 17 <laughs> relevi- relatively like uh, ineffective. They had really no bearing on the game, what Joel Embiid did, other than his defensive presence was really good. Right. There are a lot of guys that will have a great defensive presence. They're not the, they're not the face of the franchise. Right. Face of the franchise usually is doing his job every night in in these moments, right? Mm-hmm. Kobe, yep, carries carries him. Kawhi, yep, he's the best player. Kevin Durant, yep, best player of the game. Uh, right, you know what LeBron I mean? They, always would. LeBron, yep. that's what they do. And so, you know, this is just a bigger picture thing with with Joel Embiid, and and probably speaks to the whole maturity thing. Is if you're going to be the face of the franchise, we cannot be in in game six. Uh, of this series 
still waiting for you to show up and still being able to see that, say that like, someone else is leading your team right now. That, that's not, and I think that's, you know, Charles Barkley and, and Shaq and those guys are frustrated. They were the guy. I wasn't the guy. So I'm sitting up here telling you what I think. Right. They were the guy. They're telling you what they know. You can't be that dude. You can't be 12, 13, 17 in the middle of a, of a series. You know what I mean? When you are the face of the franchise. Let me ask something because I was actually asking some of the guys there, how do you calculate the plus minus? I get it. It's a really simple formula. Is it that important? Cause that's all everybody was, you know, like on Twitter, it was like, man, Joel Embiid has a plus 40. That's insane in one game. And I'm looking at it from the very selfish standpoint of I needed that 20 and a half. And I know he came out of the game. Maybe he would have gotten there if it was closer. But is the plus minus, is that a good when stat? When it fits your narrative. At? Right, exactly. Like, I mean, there's yeah. a stat for everything. Everything. Yeah. Absolutely everything. But did they, ju- again, man, did they judge Kobe? On pluses and no, minuses? No. <laughs> like, did he have 12 points and win the game? And they're like, man, Kobe's plus or minus. No, they no. didn't care. Like, they wanted to see him put the team on his back and take it to where it needed to go. And and that, those pluses or minuses are reserved for me. Right. They're reserved for your fourth option who you're supporting why you're playing him instead of someone else. Look at his plus minus. Not him. Yep. That That's points and rebounds, baby. <laughs> go get him. Yep. Uh, when you look at it from the other standpoint with Toronto uh, – it seems to me when they've struggled, it's either been a one or two man show with Kawhi Leonard carrying them, and it's the role players. And Kyle Lowry's been disappointing this entire playoffs. Is that what Game Seven is yep. going to come down to? It's all How does come everybody down else come? You know, and now would you say that favors the home team? There? Yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That, that definitely is going to favor like the supporting cast plays better at home. They don't travel as well, and so you know, look, Kawhi's going to do Kawhi things. Um, you're hoping that Pascal Siakam. It chimes in with, with upwards of 17, but it's really going to come down to whether you get something out of Marcus Hull, mm-hmm. you know, whether Serge Ibaka can get you 10. Um, can, can Danny Green make three threes? Kyle Lowry, can you get us 12 to 17 points, right? You start doing that. And then, you know, the rest of that bench, Nick Nurse isn't even, he ain't playing anybody. He took the other Fred Van Vliet. He took him completely out of the rotation. He's been non-existent for as good as he was last year in the playoffs. He's pretty poor this year in the playoffs. Um, those guys are going to have to step up and supplement at home. Typically, the role players are much better at home. So I do give the advantage to Toronto in Game 7. Uh, but it, it, if the if Philly comes out and they're shooting the ball yeah. like they did last night, um, you know, Toronto's going to be it's in great. for one. And this, this playoff, these have been unbelievable, getting a lot of Game 7s. They're going to be fun. I love that, uh, that Joel Embiid said to Drake, I'll be back, and he is going to be Oh, did he tell him that? Yeah. All right. Remember Drake was all there doing all this stuff? Joel Embiid had a moment with him. He was walking off the court. He said, I'll be back. And now he's going to be back, and it should be a fun Let's game. See. Yeah. Hopefully we get the Joel Embiid that has the good energy. And Absolutely. Playing, and this should be everybody's best. It's Game 7. You leave everything else at home. Don't tell me about any pain. Don't hit, tell me about any. You don't hear anything. Correct. We're going to go out there and play ball. So it should be a lot of fun. All right. Welcome back to Canel and Bell. Hanging out, talking a little NBA. Uh, it is Friday. Look oh, it's a little in toasty in here. Yeah. We Those might. new NBA headbands. You do you the ones you talk about ones with the tails keep some of the sweat out of our eyes. You bro. like those or not? I hate them. I do too. I do. I, it looks too much like pickup ball. It looks like, like pickup hoops. Kid. Like, yeah, it does. It I looks like them. that too. Yeah. I don't. Do you like? Did you ever wear a headband? I did. Uh, but but when? Not, like. I, I only did it when it was like a team thing, when you did like the throwback night or something like that. Yes. And everybody wore the headbands. I, I generally, I hated headbands too. All right. Uh, we have a game six tonight. Uh, Coco was asking if I was guaranteeing a game seven. You should. I think. Why well, did guarantee that, bro? All right. Guaranteed. You're going to see a game seven going back to Golden State. Sure. Uh, even despite the news that the Golden State Warriors got, which we already knew, 
was definitely we knew Kevin Durant was not going to play tonight, but the news came out that he's going to miss the rest of the Rocket series. So he's going to miss that game seven if mm-hmm. it does occur back in Golden State. So now you've got an opportunity if you're the Houston Rockets and you're James Harden and you're Chris Paul, the team that got bounced last year because you had a guy get hurt in Chris yeah. Paul. Now you've got a team supposedly wounded. This is when you are supposed to go out, take care of business, and set up that game seven. You're saying they do it. Oh, they do it. If they don't do it, um, where do you go from there if you're Houston? Oh. You spent all offseason, um, you know, supporting the claim that if Chris Paul wasn't injured last year, you would have won a, a championship. Now he's healthy and their best player is injured. This is your time. If you don't get it done now, what, I mean, seriously, what do you do if you're Houston with this aging Chris Paul, who you still got locked up for like three more years, um, and a roster that, that that's, that's not, Good enough. I mean, I guess you could wait for Golden State to kind of right, some of their pieces up. go. But this is your time, and this is when you have to get it done. And and they yeah. couldn't get it done the other night. They, in the fourth quarter, when Kevin Durant Golden left, they tried and they could not do it. And that's when James Harden went missing in that game uh, when he only had one shot in the last eight fifty of that one. No, he's so, done that from time to time. Yeah, I hadn't really thought about it because he's been so good lately. But he's got some bodies on his resume in terms of just bad games that'll pop up, and he goes just missing in playoff games. Yep. You think it's going game seven. Well, the, I kind of want to take a bet on the Warriors to this. win it. To win tonight. Trust this. You got the text I sent last night when you were worried about Joel Embiid's <laughs> yes. over-under number, yep. right? What I say in the text? Other than about him, uh, being concerned with his number, what I right. say about the refs? Oh, you said there's something off with this game. Are you guys noticing this? Did you see how many times Toronto was going? Um, they were attacking the cup. Yes. And they were just swallowing that whistle. Now, they did it. They, they're really good about it. Right. But I'm telling you tonight, you are getting every benefit of the whistle if you're Houston at home. Mark my word. And it's not just the home crowd being in like, hey, we're not home court advantage. Uh, listen, don't let me. I'm not doing that. It might be the home crowd affecting referees. Right. But I do know right. that they are going to get the benefit and of a you- lot of those calls early in the game. See, what happens is. Changes your style, right? Correct. Like, they'll, they'll even it out, man. They're masters at this. <laughs> at the end of the game, you will not be able to tell that it happened. Is but they come out spread? and they set a tone for the way you're going to play a game. Once they establish it, then they can kind of back up and let it take its course. Is this widespread held behind, behind by all NBA players? Or are you a conspiracy theorist among NBA players? Listen, bro. <laughs> I don't work for the NBA anymore. I can't prove this. Yep. But I'm telling you, it happens. I'm telling you, you catch enough NBA dudes that will sit here and, and tell you how they really feel about it. They tell you the same thing. Tonight in Houston... Houston is going to get the early whistle over and over and over again. It's happening. All right. There you go. Game seven. It's coming. And it would be great. It's great for the NBA. Yeah. It's great for ratings. Everybody's I'm happy. I'm not beefing nothing- with it. I'm just right. telling you it's happening. Right. And Houston's great. They still have to take advantage of it. Right. They still got to make Correct. their buckets. Correct. They still got to do it. It's not right. like they're being handed the game. They still have to do it. All right. So let's make some money because we've been pretty good at this. Aside from Joel Embiid last night. I, this is what I'm thinking because I listen to you when we're in here, believe it or not. Yeah. <laughs> I listen very closely. So you said if you were Houston, you would lock down Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and let the role players produce. So here's yeah. my thought process, yeah. listening to yeah. what yeah. you have let played out. Yeah. I am thinking of taking the over of one of these two players. Draymond Green, his point total is 13 and a half. Over. Or do you like Andre Godala over 10 and a half points? Over there. What about both? <laughs> am I getting greedy? What? Cause they're good. Iguodala, like, Iguodala is the beneficiary of 
Yeah, you might take them both, bro. Right. Cause you I, might take, I you might Draymond in around 15. Iggy could have about 12. Like, I could see that. Cause yeah. you know what? Steph's number. So Clay's number is 25, which seems a little high. Maybe those. he yeah. gets it. Steph Curry's at 30 and a half. Maybe you, t- maybe he has that big performance. But like you, I think if you're Houston defensively, you said that like, I'm going to make the rest of the players don't beat me. Don't let Steph and Clay beat you. Correct. And they still might, but I think the greater chance is that they're going to have to dish. They're going to get, you know, doubled and they're going to get the other guys. You'll see people stunting at, at Draymond and, and, and Andre Iguodala and staying home with Clef. I mean, Steph and Clef. <laughs> Steph and Clay, like they'll, you, you'll, you'll see people executing a game plan. If you don't, watch out. Houston better execute their game plan defensively tonight. Uh, let me ask something about Kevin Durant. Now that we know this news, um, if you're him, and you got a lot at stake career-wise with this injury, but you also have a lot at stake legacy-wise. Um, and you, you want to win a championship, another yeah. one. How do you treat this injury? Are you coming back no matter what? Yeah. Or are you taking your time? No. You're, you're, yeah. you're dying to come back. The calf strain. Yeah. I mean, again, I set myself back. Mine was m- more severe, it sounds like, than Kevin Durant's, but I played after missing two games. I, I wasn't very good. But I played, and it only cost me another month. So I only say that to say that you weren't you weren't risking any further catastrophic um, career-ending injury. It's just going to take you a little bit longer to rehab that injury when the season's over. So when you're, you're Kevin Durant, when you when you're able to produce, now here's the key: I don't, I didn't, I have to do what Kevin Durant has to do. Right. All I had to do was basically defend. I didn't have to be jumping. It's a calf. He jumps. I don't know how many shots did he shoot uh, last game. You know, uh, right. you know, every one of those, looks. every one of those is a stop, a plant, a jump. You know, if you can't do that with the calf and you can't be yourself, then maybe you sit out and allow them to just play, you know, in your absence and assume their old roles. But if you can be yourself, then you come back and you play. I had a joke and I was worried to be like a dad joke or really insensitive because when Kevin Durant hurt his calf, I was going to say, how do you hurt your calf when you don't have one? <laughs> because he's so skinny. He's really like, skinny. he doesn't have any yeah, definition. Yeah, his legs are like stiff. <laughs> Well, that was kind of a bad joke. Uh, the other, uh, series in the Western Conference is going game, uh, to a game seven as the Blazers came up big against Denver, forcing that game seven on Sunday. This game's been, this series has been a little hard to figure out too. I think it's interesting how the ebbs and flows of the playoffs, right? We've seen ups, we've seen downs. Yeah. I've been wrong. I've been like, you just, oh, I'm wrong. It's hard to yeah. figure out which team is going to show up and who's going to come there. Granted, Portland, give him credit because Dame Lillard came up big again, 32 points. McCollum came up big, 30 points. Uh, it was an impressive performance then when they had to have it playing at home. They forced the game seven, so I got to give him credit. Here's what I'm going to say, and I was wrong about this one, except I felt like I had a chance to be right, and Damian Lillard did not save them. Neither right. did C.J. McCollum. Rodney Hood saved the Portland Trailblazers last night. He dropped 25 points. And a lot of them were in the first half when Denver, Denver had pushed out. Like Denver was up, I don't know, 12, something like that. It could have got ugly. Yeah. But Rodney Hood kept making big shot after big shot after big shot. He doesn't make those. You're down 18. Now you're in a different kind of ball game. You understand what I'm saying? Yep. 12 is striking distance. 18, you're like, uh oh. Yeah. We got a problem. And so he kept them afloat long enough for CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard, who in the third quarter, you know, went crazy. He didn't have a great game. He had a great quarter. You know what I mean? Like, right. But Rodney Hood, I felt like getting 25 from Rodney Hood on 8 for 12, 3 for 4 threes, really timely in the first half, kept them in the ball game because Denver came out and punched them in the face. They did. Denver was ready to play. Um, and again, I, I feel like over the course of this series, the better, more wide-open shots have been gotten by Denver. They are the team that's getting more wide-open shots. You see a lot of the Blazers' jump shots being blocked. 
CJ McCollum and those guys, they, they're fantastic tough shot makers. But when you have to rely only on tough shots, you know, you're getting two and three jump shots blocked by, by Craig and, 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 um, Gary Harris. Like they're all over those guards. I feel like at home, game seven, the team that gets the easier shots, that would be Denver's probably going to win. Uh, it's kind of like the quarterbacks, like the quarterbacks get all the credit and all the blame. Uh, is the superstar, like the, the star players for NBA teams yeah. and the role players very seldomly get the credit they do because you're talking big point totals. It's like, Oh, you look at the box score. It's like, Oh, the backcourt came up huge for sure. the Blazers, but you see what happens. Coca, I'm going to put you on the spot here. I doubt we have it. Do you have the scuffle that took place? When uh when uh, Rodney Hood came up when they got into it with Will Barton we don't have that Will Barton and and Seth Curry yeah yeah Did when, you, when like, Will Barton po- poked him in the eye yes that yeah, was fantastic <laughs> I was just gonna ask you it was but, nothing though no it wasn't was, it was, wasn't a big deal but they did come out there I was like the coaches come out so the coaches allowed to come out and break coaches it up just come come out yeah. all right so they can come out and break it up and I I thought the NBA did the right thing there there was no extra I mean that was, there was no need for flagrants or ejections or anything like that. Grown men can disagree when yep. they are both, you know, competing and they're and 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 trying to win a game. It happens. It could boil over as long as they're not fighting. They did not fight. We're fine. Let's say the Warriors advance and the Portland Denver series goes seven. Which team would the Warriors rather play? Portland. Portland. I think Denver presents the bigger I challenge. Don't know. I don't know. That's a tough one. I, internally, but I mean, either I don't way, know. the Warriors are going to be significantly favored, right? Yeah, there would be matchups that they, they'd probably prefer one team because they think they have a better matchup there. I don't. I don't know. I think that Denver. I tell is, you what, I wouldn't want to do. I wouldn't want to go play in Denver at altitude. Like Denver's got this home court advantage going, and I think yes, it's because they're a pretty good team, and you have that. But haven't played there. And watching teams come through there gassed and when you're traveling back and forth and you're, you know, going back, it's just, it's hard to get your legs under. And when oxygen, when you don't, when you have a shortage of oxygen, it does make your legs feel dead. It's oh. not only breathing, but like in that, oh, no. when you're talking about jump shooters and teams shooting from outside, it is a challenge. Like it really is hard to get used to. That's a very, I would say point. I'd want to go Portland just for that factor alone. They might want to go Portland. Um, they might want to go Denver too. Cause I don't think if I'm not mistaken, Denver didn't have much success against them. During the regular season and it, and they, I don't, I don't know. Uh, yeah. It's a tough one. I don't know. All right. Welcome back to Canel and, uh, Bell. <laughs> I can't speak this morning. I had a lot of coffee today. Uh, Canel and Bell finishing out on a Friday, big weekend NBA action. We'll give you our picks there in just a second, but it was a sad day for some players, uh, for the Seahawks. Camp Chancellor's already done. Now it's Doug Baldwin. Both of them get released, uh, dealing with retirement due to injuries. I hate seeing this happen. Uh, Doug Baldwin, incredible wide receiver. Uh, two NFC championships, multiple playoff bursts with Seattle. Big part of that franchise, him and uh, Cam Tantula, obviously failed their physical designations. Um, this is tough, man. I, I just, it's a physical sport. I think every player, when you come out of college, you feel invincible. You're like, I want to be able to go out on my own. And yet it almost never happens when you go out on your own. Yeah, that's, it's, it's tough, man. And 30, I mean, football's a little different. 30 in the NBA, you're still kind of, you're still kind of prime, you know. That's that's in your wheelhouse. You start getting to 35, you're out. To be a 30 year old and have to shut it down, um, that's got to be really, really tough. And then, you know, one of the hardest things, and you know this, is is even when you're preparing for your retirement and you can see it, and you're like, all right, I, th- I don't think I want to do this anymore. The transitioning, you know, figuring out what you're going to do with your days, what you're going to do with your time, like how to manage the family and. You know, and, 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 and finding something for you to keep yourself busy. So when it smacks you in the face and you're at 30 years old versus like 36, 
Uh, done. You were thirty six like when you were done. Thirty. Yeah, I was probably like thirty six, thirty seven. Yeah. So I was, I was thirty. Yeah. And I, the hardest part for me, and I had, a, I, I struggled a lot with it. Like, I, there were a lot of days I was kind of depressed, moping, and not like clinical depression, but I was just moping around. And then there's the very real reality of what am I going to do with the rest of my life? Yeah. And I wasn't sure. I didn't know I wanted to go into broadcasting yet. I was looking at different avenues, and nothing gave me anywhere near the amount of excitement of man going to play football no, or yeah. going to play a sport. I mean, I, I tried to play minor league baseball because I was like, hey, let me try this one. Sure. I did not want to get a desk job. I didn't want to do anything. And, you know, like I had my degree. I had a lot of options, but none of them excited me. And that's a rough place to be in in your life when you're only 30. Oh, it is a very lost feeling, a very real thing. And and I understand that, you know, hopefully most of the athletes that you've made your money and you put it away, yep. Um, that's one thing. But still as a human being to feel lost and not have any idea – like what, what you're going to do with yourself. It's a little scary. And, you know, I'm with you in that once I decided what, what I wanted to try to do, you know, my agent would ask me certain stuff about, Hey, do you love it? I'm like, no, right. he'd be like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, I don't love anything. The only thing I ever really loved outside of like my family is basketball. So, you know, I do the job just to stay busy, but you, you never replace that. You don't, you don't love doing it. You know what I mean? You learn to really appreciate it and do it and try to do it the best of your ability. You find the challenge and being better at it. Like you did with your sport. But you love, you know, it's hard to find that love again. And the NFL, and I'm sure the NBA does a pretty good job. They try to set you up for life after your sport. Yeah, sure. They try to encourage you to do internships, to set up meetings, to meet with people. And I mean, I did it. I met, I met with lawyers. I met with franchise, you know, franchise owners. Right. I met with all these people. And at the same time, I was like, me. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was just like, eh. and, it, and it's one thing too. I think it was interesting you mentioned the money because most of the guys, like you said, if you're smart, you can be able to set up yourself for life. But I was in a position at one time where that was the case at 30. Mm -hmm. Now I made a lot of poor financial decisions, had some rough times. So I didn't, it wasn't always the case. Right. But even with that being said, retirement is overrated and your life has to have a purpose. Oh yeah. Like what are you doing every day that makes a difference? And if you don't have something, I think there's one thing about CTE and you know, the physical ailments that you have to, and they're very serious, but there's another thing mentally where if you get up every day and you're like, I don't have anything to do. And, you know, some guys turn to different things. They'll start drinking. They'll gamble. Yeah. There's something to find that adrenaline rush, and it's 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 almost impossible to replace. You just have to kind of deal with it yeah. and figure out other things that can do that and try to put yourself in uh, some positive energy. Kind of purpose and some direction. Man. Yeah. So those two guys were basically retired due to injury. They were sent packing. Telvin Smith, linebacker for the Jacksonville Jaguars, completely opposite situation. He's a younger player in the league, had a bright future ahead of him. He's only 28 years old. Uh, there was a stat about him the other day where he's one of only 13 players in the NFL history to record 100-plus tackles in each of their first five seasons. So wow. you're talking about an incredible player right to Florida State. He decided to step away. And he had an interesting Instagram post that said it was great for it was said to me from a great coach that in order for the man to be his best, he must get his world in order. At this time, I must take time away from the game and get my world in order. I must give this time back to myself, my family, my health. I appreciate all the support and I will not and and I will and will not get. I just ask that you respect my decision. This was a surprise to everybody. And, and, and the Jacksonville Jaguars, too. Again, I, I have no idea what's going on with Telvin Smith. I don't know if he's having, you know, I don't know. I have no idea if he's dealing with something. Maybe he just doesn't love the game anymore. Because right. as much as I love being a professional sport, I saw a lot of guys, and there were moments in my career where I thought about quitting. I was like, you know what? This isn't worth it anymore. I've made enough money. Right. You know, I can go right. away. I can do whatever. And then I was out for two years. I was like, I want to get that back. Right. But I think good for him. If his heart's not in it, 
and he doesn't want to be there maybe a year away from the game is what he needs. When I came, when I was away from the game for two years, when I came back, I had an entirely different approach. I had a different appreciation. I was a better professional and that wasn't a lot by choice. Like he's walking away by choice. Were you a better player? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Because I had the same skill set. I worked out more. So I was in better shape and mentally I prepared better. Like I was a better worker. I had better work ethic. Yeah. So I studied more film. I, do- I dove into the playbook way more. So I absolutely was a better player. So you were, you just uh, you ruined my argument because I was going to say it's hard. I, I, no, I did it late in my career and I, I was forced to miss a season with an, with a wrist injury. It was my only real major injury. And so trying to get back to the speed of things, trying to, you know, recalibrate, um, to like real NBA world having not been in it because I was removed from a team for the most part. I was just at home with the cast or doing rehab. I, I wasn't keeping up with the pace of life, the demands of being at practices, let alone the game speed and the skill and the shape that you have to be in. When I went back, I was still okay. I was never myself again, but I was older. So it's hard for me to really tell whether you know it was just age catching up to me or, but prior to the injury, I really felt like I was still a, a, a good NBA player. After the injury, you know, I came back and I, my first year in, in Utah, it was, I felt like I was in good shape. It just didn't click, but that was, you know, the first year back and the second year I came back in the best shape I'd ever been in and it didn't click again. And I just never was able to kind of get it going again. And I kind of attributed it to missing a year. You know? I was a better professional. I don't know if I was a better player because I didn't get that much opportunity. Yeah. I only had a couple more starts and they were okay. I and mean, they were kind of the same as what I had done before. Right. So maybe that was it, but I definitely felt I was better in the locker room in that quarterback room. I was a better teammate for the guys around me. All right. We have game six tonight. Yep. Warriors, Rockets. Rockets are a seven point favorite. I know you think the Rockets are going to win. It's a big number. It is a large number in a closely contested game. If you're the Warriors and you find yourself down, at what point do you pull Clay and Steph and rest them? Is it down? Down how many? Like, is it down 15 with five minutes to play or is it? Pull them out. What nah, if, 15 with five, not with that team, no. Because I actually thought last nope. night Joel Embiid, when I was watching our first point total, I was surprised they kept him in that long, and they were down 20 with too. five minutes left. I was the way they played, no, 15 with five, you, you're, they're playing. All right, so you're who are you taking? You taking the Warriors to cover? No. Nah. You say the Rockets blow them out, and uh, it's going back to Golden State. No, nah, no, I take the Warriors to cover, yeah. All right, Blazers, them. Nuggets, who you got? Nuggets laying five and a half. That's the early number. I take Portland to cover that, but I think the Nuggets win. All right, cool. So it looks yeah. like we might uh, – we'll, we'll find out. We'll get you all that on Monday. And yeah, take uh take Draymond and um and um Andre though. Raptors Overs. Sixers. Oh Raptors, dude. What's the line? Uh six and a half. Maybe Sixers to cover. Ooh, yeah. all right. That means some entertaining games over the weekend. Enjoy them. We'll be back on Monday.